it's really just opened my eyes to how diverse the scene is. Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast, a weekly show where we will dive deep into the history, stories, and controversies surrounding the fingerboarding community. Hey, what is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Finger Space Podcast. Today, we will be chatting with Alan of Grind Fingerboards. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you for asking. It is an honor to have you on the show, and I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's definitely an honor to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, let's just get right into it. So first question that we have for you is, how did you get into fingerboarding? Not grind fingerboards, but Alan, how did you get into fingerboarding? So I probably started fingerboarding around third or fourth grade, just making decks basically out of index cards and pencils, um, just little miniature skateboards. But I think my first I call it real fingerboard, but my first real fingerboard was probably by the fingerboard company, but they were handed out in McDonald's Happy Meals in the year 2000. Wow. Yeah. So, so you are a, you are a OG. Well, kind of. I mean, I fingerboarded with three fingers for 17 years, and I used the plastic McDonald's fingerboards for literally 17 years. Really? Did, yeah. Did you just keep getting more, or did you hang on to that original one? I still have the original one in my collection, actually, but I do have a bunch more, too, now. That's incredible. Yeah, that's kind of how I got got into it uh, as far as, you know, general fingerboarding goes. But getting into professional fingerboarding, that's a whole other story that we can get into a little later if you want. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll get into that. But I kind of want to pick your brain on... Were, were you in involved in the quote unquote scene at all in the early days, you know, early two thousands of, of this kind of fingerboard evolution tech decks coming in and, and all of that stuff? No, not really. I, I feel like I was kind of just in my own little world. I didn't realize until recently really that there was a whole subculture of fingerboarding and I never really got into tech decks cause I didn't like the sandpaper grip tape. I just, I couldn't do anything on them. Wow. That's awesome because, you know, you usually don't hear about individuals that have been fingerboarding for so long, but we're never, you know, really tied into, into the fingerboard scene. So that's, that's really, really, really cool. When did you kind of get tied into our whole subculture? So I first discovered it in March, 2018. Yep. So just what was, what was that like? It was like a, holy crap. Is this real? (laughs) You know, like Cause I had still, at that point I was still rocking, uh, the McDonald's, like I literally carried a McDonald's happy meal fingerboard in my pocket for 17, 18 years. So I, I have to shout out my buddy, Christian Panda Escalante, um, Panda. I can't remember his name, but Panda FB it's like 94 Panda or something on, on Instagram who really turned me on to the actual scene. How did Panda, by the way, thank you, Panda, for for turning Alan onto the scene. How did that come about? I just saw he had a post, him just hitting up like he was hitting up a rail or something, a little box, and he had like a real fingerboard. And we're we're buddies from the jewelry community. So uh, we've always been pretty tight. But um, once I saw that, I just kind of got into the rabbit hole on Instagram. And I think I started grind fingerboards like within the week. Like I, that's how I do things is like, if I find something really? I love, like I just, I started the business right away because 
I realized like right away, I was like, okay, I'm going to go buy a board. And I was like, holy crap, 50 bucks for the trucks, 50 bucks for the wheels, 50 bucks. I was like, I don't have $150 to spend on a fingerboard. So I bought a mold for 40 bucks and I went and got some wood and just started making them right away, man. And, and I have to say, I, I have one of your fingerboards actually right behind me in my, in my fingerboard case and, and they're incredible boards, but there are a ton of individuals who come into the scene and kind of do exactly what you did. Like, Oh, wow, this is really cool. Let me start a company. But a lot of these people do it for a cash grab or whatever. And they kind of fall off, but you did it. Why didn't you just kind of disappear? What, what made you successful? You know, I feel like I'm still building. So when I look at the business from like my perspective, I'm like, man, I haven't even really started yet. I've probably only made like decks that I've actually made and completed and sold have been like maybe 30 or 40 total, like out in the wild fingerboards that I've created. And um, I'm still refining my craft. So I look at it now, I'm still a noob, you know, like I've been, I maybe have been around for a while, but I just take it slow and steady. I don't give up, man. I just keep going. You know, I might slow down here and there, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just still going, man. You sound like you have, well, you're, it sounds like you're a very humble individual, which is very, very nice. I mean, at this point of recording, you know, you have about 5,400 followers on, on Instagram, which isn't, I wouldn't consider it small, you know, but you, you not only sell decks, but it seems that you're a, a, a distributor of all sorts of, of different products. How, how did that kind of come about? What, what was your goal with, with grind when you started? Really? When I, I, I first started it, I just wanted to be able to make myself some decks, but kind of the way that, so a quick little backstory is like, so I I've been working for myself for 10 years, selling gems, minerals, and jewelry. And I've always been an entrepreneur. So I try to find things that I love doing and make a business, like build a business around it. So, so for grind, you know, I started, I wanted to come up with a name that was like easy to remember and had something to do with skating, obviously. And, uh, I couldn't believe that grind fingerboards wasn't taken. So I hopped on that right away and I just started making myself some decks. And then just one thing led to another, man. I started collecting a couple different things here and there. And then I was like, you know, I can, I, I'm really good at finding things and sourcing. So I was able to find manufacturers, distributors, suppliers, and just buy in bulk and then just piece them out. You know, it's just something that comes natural to me is buying and flipping my other two businesses that I have besides grind, I, I buy things and I sell things, you know, that's what I do. I see. I see. And that, and that really shows with, with your business. I mean, um, like on eBay, you, it seems that you kind of have that whole market. And, and one thing that I, I really appreciate, and, and I know a lot of other people in the scene appreciate is, is that you're not price gouging at all. Is that everything you have is very, very fair. Yeah. I, I really try to, hit the market price or, you know, like set the market price slash keep it where it already is. If other people are selling, I don't like to, cause I know if I'm going to undercut other people, yeah, I'm going to get more sales right now, but what's going to happen is everyone else is going to drop their prices below mine. And then it's just becomes a race to the bottom and then nobody's making money. And that's, you know, I, I I'm not doing this just to make money. That's like, obviously part of it, but that's like a bonus, right? So like I'm doing this because I love it and it helps me to put food on the table and keep a roof over the head for my family. But I'm not trying to rate people and make a ton of money and then just dip. Like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, build the next 
the next big business in fingerboarding, even though, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be like a flat face, you know, like I'm not an OG 15 year, 20 year in the game and revolutionizing things, but I want to be a staple, you know, like just here to here and here to stay. I, I definitely think the way you are, are handling things and, and your approach as to what you're doing, I think you'll definitely make it there. And in the, in the eyes of a lot of individuals, you know, you kind of you kind of are. You are a staple for, for a lot of people to get their products, to get uh, this, that, and, uh, and the other. And your boards, I have to say, are, are incredible. Thank you. Which, uh, if I could ask you, which deck do you have of mine? Do you know the measurements of it? Actually, let me real quick grab it because i've got my gen my gen ones are like 9933 those are from my original 3d printed woozy molds and then i have my gen 2 or it's really i call it my ob1 mold which is the oddball it's my first nfb mold and it's either a 9133 or 9535 the one that you sent us out for Sin City Sesh. Thank you, by the way, for, for being a sponsor and, and supporter of that. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. I think that is going to be one of the OB1 molds, like one of the 9535s or the 9133. But you can confirm that for me. Looks like a 33, definitely. Length, I have to say, is pretty standard. Um, what, what did you say your lengths were? On the new mold, 9535 or 9133. Oh, that's a 95 for sure. It's, it, it's awesome. But any, anyway, kind of getting sidetracked. Thank you for that. But these, yeah. Uh, when I saw this board, I actually, somebody won it at the event and I had to trade for it because I had to have it because it's incredible. Thank you. I'm still, I'm still refining the craft, still trying to figure some things out, you know, slowly, but surely. That's all part of the process. And and that kind of is a, is a good transition into, into my next question for you. What was the hardest part? of starting grind or what is the hardest part of of continuing your company from a company standpoint or a deck making standpoint kind of what are the challenges that you had to to face or are facing i think that the biggest challenge for me is just staying consistent because i'm a stay-at-home dad i have two boys who are eight and five i still have my other two companies which are the tourmaline kings which is gems minerals and jewelry And then ever since COVID hit, um, so I used to travel and do a lot of gem and mineral shows, but all the trade shows have been canceled because of COVID. So my other side hustle, which is called Mr. Thrifty, is where I just buy things at garage sales, estate sales, thrift stores, and flip them on eBay. So those two businesses take a lot of effort as well. So, you know, for grind, like I said, it's just staying consistent. It's not burning out. That's my, really my biggest challenge because working three different businesses, it's like I put, you know, 33% effort into every one. I never do one business 100% because the other two will fall behind. I see. So it's kind of the, the situation of trying, you, you have these three projects, companies that you, you love, I'm assuming each equally, but finding the time and effort to put into all of them can, can be kind of hard, you know, spreading yourself a little too thin. Yeah, for sure. So with with the building of this company and ride, you had a what I would call a successful last two years to to make it up until this point. Has starting this company kind of changed your perspective on the fingerboard scene at all? I know you were only in it for about a week before you started the company. So you've kind of always been a producer, manufacturer 
in the scene, but has, has your kind of outlook ever changed? Yeah. I mean, I really just, it, it's just continuously opening up my eyes to like how great the people are and how diverse the crews are. Like, you know, the fingerboard community has individuals from seven, eight, nine years old, however old their parents will let them have an Instagram account and now TikTok all the way up to, I mean, you got on a regular basis, 30, 40 year olds who are in the scene and you still, you got some 50 and 60 year old dudes who are fingerboarding too. So it's really just opened my eyes to how diverse the scene is. And really mostly everybody is super helpful and you know, they just want to help each other. There's not a lot of drama and backstabbing or anything like that going on, which I really, really love that whole scene, you know, that whole love mentality where everybody just kind of wants to help each other out, you know. As big as the community is, word spreads like wildfire. So it's always best, you know, to be honest and genuine and a good human being, which 99% of the people in, in, in the scene are. With that being said, what kind of is is the main goal and focus now for Grind? Um, you know, you said you've been working on your decks and refining them, but where do you see this going, you know, for the next year or, or two years? My, I guess my goal for like the, the business is, is to really figure out my niche as far as deck making is concerned. I really pride myself on taking a lot of time and, and spending a lot of time and effort in the construction of my decks. And so I've been working for like the last year and a half pretty consistently to get in real wear heat transfers. And I finally did that and I still can't figure out how to apply them correctly. I can't figure out how to get them to look good. And now that I have them in hand, I've kind of realized I'm not all about the hype of the heat transfer. It just doesn't do it for me. So my next move and where I'd like to be is I, I want to kind of get back to the roots of skateboarding and be able to, to screen print my decks and my logos and my designs and everything on the deck, like Flint, you know, where they screen print all their stuff. So that's my next move. And that's, that's kind of what I want to do is I just want to do that and really make each deck like a piece of artwork, you know? And so I'm aiming for like the higher end, I don't want to sell my decks to everybody, you know, mass producers or, or say like buy things from China and put my name on it. You know, like um, a lot of things I do get from there, but that's besides the point. Like when with decks, I want them to be really one of a kind collector's items, more pieces of artwork than than anything else. That's awesome. I, I think that's fantastic goal, especially with what you're describing with the screen printing and kind of going back to the the origins of skating and and kind of doing it as art, as expression, as something that, you know, you want to put out there and be proud of, you know, not something that's going to be, like you said, mass produced and kind of the same thing that everybody's doing, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, with all the products that I have, you know, a lot of them are mass produced and, and I'm okay with that because I'm getting them out to the community at an affordable price. Like I said, when it comes to the decks, I really want to be on another level with with that you know of course so. of course i am for 
China products. Like, you know, it's not tiptoe around around the topic. I I have no problem with it as long as they're being sold for for a reasonable price coming from the source or um, from whatever distributor you're getting getting it from, like you or Flatface or wherever. Everybody yeah. does it, but as long as you're being honest and adding and having value. I mean, every time I check your site or your eBay, it's always you know nothing ridiculous. Five bucks for wheels. Uh, whatever it is for trucks, it's always an honest, an honest cost. Yeah. The only time on eBay, the only time you'll ever see like a ridiculous cost is if I have like two left in stock and I'm trying not to sell out before I get more because then I have to recreate the listing. And that takes so much time, especially the way that I make my listings, like as variations, a lot of the time, there's so many different things that I have to do. You know, that if I sell out and I lose that listing, I have to recreate it. And that's a huge pain in the ass. So every once in a while, you might see, you know, like a 12 pack of grip be like 15 or $20. So you're like, dude, I, I bought this for eight, three weeks ago. You know, eBay is very tricky. A lot of people that don't have eBay stores, they wouldn't even realize that kind of thing. I, I, I do not have an eBay store for one. Man. I did not know that kind of thing. That's kind of new to me. I never knew that that would have been an issue so that explains that yeah uh, yep. because i have seen it come up a couple times but then immediately drop a couple days later and i've always wondered what's what's this about yeah but, yeah a lot of times that's it and and ebay fees too like people think you know if you sell something on ebay for twenty dollars like you get twenty dollars a lot of times you know it's twenty dollars with free shipping and when you minus the cost of shipping the ebay fees um and then any other like your cost of goods a lot of times your profit from a $20 item mainly be 3 4 5 dollars in your pocket you know and it's like so you're not making a ton of money even though some people may think you're you know ripping somebody off it's not like that at all yeah it's it's something that i would like to tell or, or let the community in in on you know it's it's a cost of doing business you know it's you know we sell our products for whatever it is, five, $10, we're not making five, $10 on those products. You know, we're making three, $2, um, you know, 30% yep. back if, if we're lucky. Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, Alan, uh, we're, it seems that we're running short on time now. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say? Any last words, uh, you know, plug the Instagram, plug your site and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been an honor. I look forward to maybe doing another interview in a year or two or three or 10 or whatever, and just grow with you guys. I love cross promoting and I'm an open book too. So I always tell people like, if you ever have any questions about anything, just shoot me a DM. I am down to help you with any process questions, anything that I've figured out on my own. I'm down to teach people. Uh, the only thing I don't tell people are my suppliers, distributors, manufacturers, that kind of stuff, the business end, but anything creative wise, I'm, I'm an open book. So, uh, shoot me a DM grind fingerboards on Instagram, and you can find me at thrifty and nifty on eBay, or just search grind fingerboards on eBay. And you'll find one of my 40 or 50, 60 different products I have on there. Well, Alan, thank you. Thank you very much for being on the show. It was an absolute honor and a pleasure. We definitely look forward to having you back whenever it is you grow and we grow. And and this is something beautiful, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it for sure. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, guys. Make sure to uh, check out the YouTube channels and Finger Spaces page as well. And just don't forget to get your grind on. Nice.
All right. I'll chat with you guys soon. All right. Later, Alan. Peace out. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finger Space Podcast. Thanks for skating by, and don't forget to nosebonk that subscribe button and dark slide on over to our Discord server. This episode was produced by Fingerspace Co. and hosted by Nostalgia FB. Big thanks to all guests and listeners.